as the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say... Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong, because y'all are idiots. Oh, no. I'm new to the panda timeline here, so I that one's going to have to sit with me. I'm going to have to pray on that one. I know it's available, but why? There's so many other things available. First of all, it's artisanal, okay? I don't want to hear it. As the expert of the podcast and the boss. One of your hosts spent nine hours this week watching the Godfather series to atone for his <laughs> sins. What are you doing? Handsome Drew did as well. Are you Drew with the U? I'm Drew with the U. Why would oh, he be Drew? Problem. Obviously, oh, he's God. Drew with the U. Okay, my handsome Drew. <laughs> I don't spell my name with a U. What are you talking about? <sighs> What's wrong with you? Oh, I was not listening. <laughs> that is very apparent to everyone on the podcast that you were not listening. Why? I don't know why you have to. I didn't trample on your panda. This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 50 of Not the Podcast You Deserve. Guys, can you believe we've made it to 50 episodes? Big five. I cannot. I truly cannot. I was for sure we would have destroyed each other by now, but here we are. 50 podcasts and 50 cents profit. (laughs) Just just about. And today I am your host, Kyle, joined with Drew Crawford. Hello. And Drew Allen. Hello. Hello. And we are three of the biggest Spider-Man fans that you will ever see or hear on a podcast that 15 to 19 people listen to. Yeah. In the the same place. Only time three Spider-Men have been in the same place this week. That's very Uh, true. Today we are talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, John Watts film that just came out. If you haven't seen it, don't know why you're listening to this. Press pause, (laughs) go see it, come back. And uh, we'd love to talk you through it. Spoilers uh, are, are very close on the horizon. Uh, and one of the hot button topics about this movie was who all was going to be in it. Um, I don't know if you guys can remember back to when like you first heard this movie is coming out. The first thing I remember hearing was, well, first, uh, after Spider-Man Far From Home, the big split between Marvel and Sony happened. And mm. it was it was the rumors were out that Marvel and Sony couldn't come to an agreement for the next movie. Spider-Man yeah. was kicked out of the MCU. And it was so sad because we had just mm. we had just come to this beautiful Avengers Endgame conclusion and had three or four movies after that. And it was just like like we were living in such peace and harmony. And then all mm. of a sudden our world was ripped apart. We were told we couldn't have Tom Holland Spider-Man <laughs> anymore. And, and yeah, and, and, and Spider-Man was, was such sad. a intricate part of that peace and that and that joy and sony the mean-spirited sony that they are was going to take it away from me but but you know and i mean that's this it's i think business 101 i think you could do a business class on the negotiations between marvel and sony because Mm. it really you can't like it spider-man stood on the shoulders of the previous movies which is why I did so much better than all the other Spider-Man movies. We talked about that a little bit sure. on our MCU ranking podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, but also, it's not like Marvel didn't benefit from having the number one comic book superhero of all time put into their already great universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have loved to been a fly on the wall in that conference room as they were figuring that money part out and mm-hmm. how do we split who gets what. I think we can all agree that it would be best if Marvel just had all of their properties so that we could mm. just have so much fun 
and we didn't have to sit through Venom 2 again or anything like <laughs> Morbius. Uh, but here we are. We're living in a world where Spider-Man No Way Home came out. It's a beautiful marriage between Sony and Marvel, which is working okay so far. Uh, mm-hmm. And when, when, so the first thing I remember this movie was, it was, we were, Tom Holland was just heartbroken that it wasn't going to be in the MCU. And then they repaired it. And I was like, okay, great. The next thing I heard about this movie was uh, Jamie Foxx, like tweeting out, like, I can't wait to be electro again, but I'm not going to be blue this time. And we were all like, <laughs> what? Like, how and why and how? Uh, oh, no. But that's the first, like, spoiler I remember hearing about this movie. And then, th- then you know, hundreds of uh, rumors and dreamcasts and, and people, like, hoping and wishing stuff came into be, some of which were Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire joining somewhere uh Kirsten Dunst and uh, Emma Stone coming back and somewhere that Captain America wasn't really dead or on the moon. He was inside the Statue of Liberty, like so many different things. <laughs> what was your guys' favorite spoiler that like to think about as the movie approached? And then what was your favorite one that came true in the movie? So I, I would say a lot of it, like you were saying, was speculation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was that one picture of Andrew Garfield that got leaked. Yeah. Uh, and and other than that, and like he denied that, but like other than that, there wasn't a lot of confirmed spoilers until the trailer came out that they were like, hey, the villains are here. And that just got everybody excited. Mm-hmm. But for like a year, everybody was like, they're bringing back the other Spider-Man. Like, yeah. and <laughs> just like when you hear a rumor long enough, you just believe it. And I went <laughs> into this movie going, if they don't bring back Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I'm going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> like I was going to be really mad if they didn't show up. Uh, Absolutely. And, and man, did they appease me. That was, uh, that was, I think my big thing is like, I, I, I avoided all spoilers. I put my phone away. I threw it in the garbage can as soon as I got home after work. And I, and like, I, I went to the movie theater, not knowing anything other than, you know, what I had heard people talking about for a year. And I, I, I expected them to show up. I wanted them to show up. Everything in my heart, body, and soul wanted to see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield again. And, but I wasn't certain. And, and I didn't know how they were going to do it and make it make sense. And the fact that they did it and they made it make sense was so, so cool. Did, Drew Allen, did you have a spoiler <laughs> or a speculation or something that like you heard about and you wanted to be true and either did come true or didn't come true? Yeah, I think... Uh, Crawford hit the big ones. Uh, two of the kind of smaller ones, like uh, Venom showing up in a post-credit scene, I quite yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, uh, I really great. liked that. Uh, and they got the symbiote into the world, um, which I decided what they're going to do with that. And then also the uh, on the reverse side of that, speculation that I wanted to come true that didn't was uh, Miles Morales being in the movie. Yeah. I was a little sad. I don't know how they're, I, you know, it wasn't in theme with, the movie which was bringing back all of the people that have been in movies and i don't think they're going to work in an animated you know spider-verse into the spider-verse miles morales the uh, the one thing i was hoping that they might have been able to filter in was uh donald glover who in this universe is uh aaron davis who is the prowler mm-hmm. um and is miles morales's uncle I who always wanted to be Miles Morales and had a big campaign for that. I was hoping that they were going to do some multiverse where um, Donna Glover was Miles Morales. And even if it was just like a shot of him, like just him in the suit, I would have lost my mind. 
Oh, yeah. that would have been fun. Or even it's just that like clip from Community where he's putting on the Spider-Man <laughs> shirt. That yeah. would have been great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and that's what I think since maybe Avengers Endgame, I can't remember a movie having this much buzz and this many people talking about it beforehand. Um, and then I want to talk about the movie with you guys. Uh, first go over the pros stuff we loved about the movie, the cons stuff that maybe you didn't love, and then kind of wrap it up and see how you felt about the movie in toto uh, afterwards. But some of the biggest pros, uh, we already spoiled it and talked a little bit about it, but uh, bringing back Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire was so... I don't think I realized, and maybe I was just trying to like not let the spoilers get to me just in case it wasn't true, but I didn't realize how much that would like touch me as mm. a lifelong moviegoer and comic book fan to see those guys again. Mm-hmm. Um, because seeing Ned open up the little circle of wizardry thing and to see the hall, the, the long, uh alleyway and you see the andrew garfield spider-man and like you could tell when i was at the midnight premiere like a few people saw that it it was definitely not tom holland because the suit was different and then Mm -hmm. like as soon as he kind of turns his head and his eyes are real big then like a couple more people were like (gasps) and then and then like the rest of the crowd finally got in when he took his his uh his hat off his mask off and then everybody just went crazy and i still couldn't tell you what the lines were in that (laughs) opening scene because everybody just lost their goddamn minds, but that was so 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 cool, and uh, and I th- and yeah, we've talked about Spider Man before, but I really liked Andrew Garfield's Spider Man. I thought he was a really fun Spider Man, and mm. his, I don't think his movies were that terrible. But to see him, and then to see Tobey Maguire coming through the kitchen sink a little bit later, wearing his blazer, his bomber jacket <laughs> thing, and, yeah, and and, uh, and man, I don't, like a, I don't like think a cool I, youth pastor, a cool youth pastor, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how much that was going to impact me going mm. into the movie. And maybe it was because mm. I was just trying to protect myself from hurt, uh, <laughs> not showing up. But what else like really stuck out to y'all is like super big pros for this movie. Uh, I'll say one of the things that to your point of what you were just talking about, I thought that they might've just been cameos. Uh, I was really thankful of, of how involved in the plot mm-hmm. those other two Spider-Men were. Yeah. And and I thought it did a lot for their own personal character arcs because mm-hmm. uh, you get to hear about things that they were doing for the last, you know, 10, 20 years and how their characters have changed and grown. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, I thought they did a really good job with the villains mm. and introducing them into the world. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought Doc Ock's character was fantastic because uh especially you see him grow and change uh and willem dafoe is always great as norman osborn in the green goblin and then to see his character develop and change as well Mm. uh, and and interact with a different spider-man yeah that that was really cool for me uh i thought they did a great job and on a side note of that i saw one interview where uh they were interviewing willem dafoe and jamie fox and uh Melina. Alfred Molina, yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about like why you came back to yeah. play your villain. And Willem Dafoe went on this big thing about um how he loves the character and he loves the action and he loves doing all of his own stunts for the character. He feels like that does a lot for it, you know, blah, blah, blah. We get to Jamie Foxx. He talks about how the costume was really cool. 
And he just thought it was like a cool experience and all sorts of stuff. And Alfred Molina was just like money. <laughs> Couldn't turn the money down. And it's like, way to go, dude. Way to call it out is. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that I got literal, literal chills and like was legitimately scared when in the uh, scene where Peter Parker's fixing all of the villains and Willem Dafoe changes into mm-hmm. his Green Goblin voice. Like it's so subtle but so different and terrifying. Yeah. Um, it was beautifully done, really well done. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I liked what you're talking about, how like each villain kind of got their kind of time in the sun and it wasn't like one was super shorted. If one was shorted, it was probably the lizard guy. And mm. because he was stuck in the truck uh, yeah. for that whole 20 minutes when they're in Peter's uh, apartment, you know, fixing everybody. But then or again, or, like, or Sandman. Sandman also got pretty one-dimensional. He was like, I want to go see my daughter. And they're like, okay, great. No more lines from you. <laughs> and I think the way that they kind of saved Sandman was when uh, Peter goes to what he finds, what he thinks is Green Goblin, turns up being Electro. And Electro's about to fry him to bits. The Sandman saves him by putting up a little shield. And Sandman yeah. actually helps him take down Electro. And that gave you like a really cool, uh, this isn't just, bad guys fight good guys and you know and, mm. and that whole thing it became it showed you that kind of complex character that they created in spider-man yeah. 3 and how you know it what i think they could have taken the really easy way out and it could have been just bad guys punch good guys and mm-hmm. and fisticuffs till we figure it out and they kind of gave you that they gave you doc ock um helping fight the other villains right mm-hmm. the statue of liberty at the end of the movie which i thought was super super cool and Alfred Molina is a great actor. And yeah, uh, he did see crushes that role so well. He he's one of my favorites in Spider-Man 2. He might have been my favorite in this movie too. Mm. Uh just because he he just owns that character. Um so I, I think that that they do a pretty good job of encompassing all of that. And it's a movie jam-packed with people that deserve time on the screen. <laughs> and, oh, absolutely. And I think for the most part, they do a pretty good job of getting not only Tom Holland, but also Benedict Cumberbatch, also Zendaya, also all of the villains, also Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. Uh, Like everybody kind of gets a a really nice moment to shine and Tom Holland still gets to be the star of it. Um, And I think that's super hard to do simply because you've only ever seen like maybe two other movies do it well and they're all in the MCU um everybody else that's tried to do it has either failed or is star wars where you need three of the movies to do it well you know mm-hmm. um and then i really really loved the scene when the peters are in the lab and they're each doing different concoction stuff to oh fix my gosh the villains. it was so that, funny that was everything nerd kyle needed to like, <laughs> get through 2021 uh especially with and it, and it got to show their character growth too like beyond the movies you last saw the other Spider-Man in uh, you see, you know, uh, Andrew Garfield talked about how he stopped pulling his punches after a while. Cause he was so mm. mad about how Gwen died. And that's something you didn't get to see. You yeah. saw uh, Toby Maguire say like, you know, uh, you know, me and MJ, we're still working through it. It's tough, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is stuff that you didn't really get to see. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. They, they kind of gave you the directors and writers. This movie kind of gave you an idea that there was more to still be told uh, about those Spider-Men even though you haven't seen Josh Dang from Tobey Maguire, what, 15 years? You haven't yeah. seen the Spider-Man in a long time. 
uh, and Andrew Garfield's more recently, but that they still had more story left that, you know, their character grew. And it was, I thought that was a really nice touch where the villains they brought, they brought them specifically straight from the time that you last saw them, but their Spider-Man got to grow and kind of be their own person Mm -hmm. and bring that to the, to the screen again, which I thought was really neat. Yeah. And I love the interactions between the Spider-Man, like on the Statue Mm -hmm. of Liberty uh, specifically when they're like, talking like hey are you so you make your own webs like i don't yes. are you i don't want to talk yes. are you making fun of me yeah. like no we're just curious cuz we we don't do that so naturally you know that's hilarious do you ever get a web lock <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's it they fit in some great uh nods to their movies and then also like some nods to the comic books and some other lore that uh only those fans are are would be really interested in hearing them talk about and then also it like the, it made me think about Spider-Man as a character. A lot of times he's like talking to himself and like a lot of the cartoons, his character mm-hmm. uh, is in his head a lot. And so to see three Spider-Men who are on, <laughs> in their head a lot, yeah. like relate and be like, hey, like when uh, Andrew Garfield's getting down, it's like, I'm lame compared to y'all. And Tobey Maguire says, hey, whoa, I'm hearing a lot of self-talk here. Let's, uh, let's cut that out. <laughs> you're, you're amazing. You're, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. The amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I that, was that was so great. I thought that was some of the most beautifully well done, well written, well acted characters <laughs> in a in a superhero movie. And yeah. it was the, the three same characters, but they were yeah. all portrayed the same character subtly different in a way that was beautiful and worked really well. And so when they jumped off the Statue of Liberty after like teaming up, like who's spider one, spider two, spider three. And then they <laughs> yeah. run and jump off. And then like, he like yells and there's like some woo as they go off. And then yeah. it was so climactic and cathartic and beautiful. Tobey Maguire as the great encourager in this movie was so mm-hmm. funny. And, and I think, perfectly fit where his character might be you know 20 years later after donning the mask of learning and and figuring out that it's not all about him and you know training the next generation and now he's getting trained the next generation of spider-man and and getting to to do that and it but it was really funny to see that come out of a a vacuum basically where he's he's all of a sudden like hey no like you're amazing and i want you to know that or he's like you were in the Avengers? That's great. What does that what mean? That? <laughs> that a band? Were you in a band? Were you in a he band? Was, he was so excited. He's like, are you in a band? I was like, yeah. oh my God. How is this helping? <laughs> Andrew Garfield was the funniest, I thought, in the movie. But I think the funniest line of the whole movie is when Ned scoots up next to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Oh my He's gosh. like, do you have a best friend? He's like, yeah, he died in my arms. It was heartbreaking. I lost after he tried to kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like the most like deadpan. The way he's he reads that line is incredible because everybody in the audience knows how much weight is in that two, three lines. Yeah. But it's just so deadpan. Like he has dealt with it. It's 20 years in the future, but so sad. So I, I saw this at midnight with Drew Allen, and then I saw it again later on with a much more subdued crowd. Did you guys get a chance to see it with like a set of like comic book hero fans and then like normal people or yeah. have you only seen it the one way? <laughs> no, I, 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 I've seen it. I've seen it twice. Like the day it came out and then like a week later. Okay. So the, that scene in particular, I, the first night opening night, I was cracking up. 
I was like uh, kind of upset that I missed some lines because the whole st- the whole theater was laughing and everybody's having a great mm. time. I went and watched it again with what I assume are just normal movie fans that had like a Christmas Eve to themselves and wanted to go watch a movie. <laughs> and they did not find those lines as funny or as impactful. Oh, and no. that scene plays super differently when there's not a laugh track going on <laughs> behind <laughs> it. It plays like super slow and awkward. Oh, um, no. But like speaking of the pacing of the movie, I th- for as much as they jam-packed into there and as well as they did, I thought the pacing of the movie was incredible. I thought they got through so much stuff and they yeah. didn't really skimp on anything um, that I, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. I, I, to steal something that Drew Allen talks about all the time is the beats they take in this movie are, are really impactful and really significant. And it actually adds to the pacing of this movie mm-hmm. uh, because it'll be fast paced, fast paced, jam pack, jam pack. And then it'll take a moment to breathe and it'll be very funny and kind of, uh, reflective and thoughtful and then it will be like jam-packed action again and you need those moments to really digest all the action you just saw and all the the story and plot you just saw mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that they did it beautifully it was yeah. it was fantastic and one of the people I feel like in particular they leaned on for that was Zendaya and we haven't talked about her a lot in this podcast yet but her character was fantastic yeah. And she, I think, is the the crucial part for the pacing of this movie, because anytime that it got too out of control, they would do a scene of her and Peter or uh, her and Ned or whatever. And the way that she her character is and the way that she delivers her lines, it allows you to slow down and it allows you to digest and just kind of be there with each other and her character was written beautifully and she portrayed it wonderfully. Uh, Also side note, I hope real life Tom Holland and Zendaya stay together forever because (laughs) they are my new celebrity crush. I love them so much. So first off, I'm 98% sure it's Zendaya. Secondly, she's a powerhouse that everybody needs to be on the lookout for because she's a phenomenal actress. And I think she's going to do great things. And third, I I think that's a great point that I did not realize until you said it, but the heart of every Spider-Man movie and every Spider-Man comic and even every Spider-Man game is MJ or it's Gwen Stacy and everything that Peter's got going on in his real world and in his superhero life, the thing that brings him back to reality is always MJ or Gwen Stacy and Andrew Garfield's. So I think that's a really good point. I really like Mm -hmm. that. The, Two beats that stood out to me, Crawford. You mentioned my my affinity for pointing out beats. <laughs> uh, the the first one. Well, before I get onto my two favorite ones, the one that segues out of this perfectly is the MJ when she <laughs> is processing that a new Spider Man, a different Spider Man, is in her world and is throwing bread at yes, yeah. Garfield <laughs> is a phenomenal moment. Can can you stop throwing the bread? I want to see if you have the tingle thing. I do have the tingle thing, but not for bread. He is so great in that scene. That is maybe his best scene ever. He he hams that up and it is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. Crawl, crawl around a little bit. What? No, no, this is enough. <laughs> yeah. Can you get the web? My mom's asking you to get the web. Um, <sighs> the, the other two that I think were very impactful, very great, uh, also involve Andrew Garfield. 
But the first one is when MJ is falling off of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, and man. Tom Holland gets taken off and he like he's not going to save her. And then Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, gets to save the girl. Mm. And you can see it on his face how impactful and like how important and redemptive yeah. it was for his character to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it, I, I think this movie does a great job of tying up a lot of... They weren't even loose ends, but they they like add redemption to a lot of things that happened in the first five Spider-Man movies. And the last one that I want to talk about, which is when Andrew Garfield throws the, the serum to cure the green goblin to Tom mm-hmm. Holland. And he goes like, nice throw. And Andrew Garfield says, nice catch. I thought that uh, my wife made a great point is that that's kind of like the passing of the torch. I you know, I know Tom Holland oh. had already made three Spider-Man movies before that, but mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield kind of got almost an- unceremoniously oh, yeah, out for of sure. his, his character, his mm-hmm. um, acting as the Spider-Man. So I thought that was a really cool moment to get hmm. to see. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's uh, that's super. And then in the three seconds prior to that, Tobey Maguire's uh, Spider-Man mm. got stabbed and <laughs> maimed so that uh, Tom Holland wouldn't make a similar mistake uh, yeah. that he made once upon a time, which wasn't killing Green Goblin, but it was making sure the guy who killed Ben died. Uh, the, 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 the cut back and forth between Tobe Maguire's eyes trying to hold the glider up and mm-hmm. Tom Holland trying to stab it into yeah. just like them cutting back and forth between their faces was, I think, the best acting either of them have ever done. And neither <laughs> one of them said it any lines and i was just like oh my god my heart feels this so much i will i do think that tom holland is a really really good actor um i don't think toby mcguire is but i do think tom holland is a really good actor have you seen sea (laughs) biscuit that's why i don't think toby (laughs) mcguire is very good (laughs) that and the great gatsby are two reasons but that scene with them two on cap shield in the water that is some of the best acting from anybody in the MCU. It, like you can see it on Tom Holland's face, how bad he wanted mm. to kill Green Goblin at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that is not something you get very often because like not often is it okay that your superhero wants to kill someone in any movie, <laughs> regardless if it's yeah. MCU or not. But in, in that and like he justifiably wants to kill the dude. And you can see it in his face. And then you can kind of see the moment where he's like, okay, I'm gonna drop the glider. Uh, and I, that's another really, really well done moment uh, in the MCU. John Watts, who the director of this movie, I did not think a whole lot of good things about after his first two movies in this trilogy. After this third movie, I'm like, dude, if you can handle that, you can handle anything. Mm. I'm excited to see what he does with Fantastic Four because knowing that he can handle mm. all those different moving pieces yeah. and do it and manage it so well, he's going to crush Fantastic Four. I'm fired up for it. That's huge. And I think the last beat I want to talk about uh, before I forget, that's just why I, I, I'm, I'm going to cut in here because I almost forgot about it. They, like the, the his Spider-Man series, like Tom Holland and John Watts, um, they started in media res or however mm-hmm. you want to pronounce that. But yeah. that they like, he's already Spider-Man. Like, and that was such a great moment. That was such a great... I remember that being a huge talking point when the first Spider-Man movie came out. Everybody's like, we don't need to hear see Uncle Ben die. We don't need to see him get mm. bit by a spider. We get it. Let's cut through all of that. Which I think they use expertly 
in this movie by killing off Aunt May because mm. you do not see it coming. Like I did not see that coming at all because I assumed just like that Uncle Ben was his Uncle Ben. Like I assumed that was his or Iron Man that, was his Uncle Ben. Yeah. Or yeah. his deceased parents I, who we never talk about are his Uncle Ben. Yeah. I, right. I thought it was Iron Man was his Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been which would have worked. But they give him that moment with Aunt May. And it is so impactful that you do believe that Tom Holland, even though he is the hero, is going to kill Green Goblin out of Mm -hmm. malice, Mm -hmm. like hate. And you get that hate in his heart because you've had three movies to fall in love with their relationship. And you see how good of a mom she is um, to her nephew. It was just incredible and very impactful. And the fact that Willem Dafoe is the one who does it is incredible. And I I thought that that was the most tragic scene I've seen in a long time. So I'll ask this question while we're on the topic. What was more impactful for you the first time you saw it? Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, Uncle Ben dying or this one with Aunt May dying. That's not fair because you knew Uncle Ben and Sam Raimi for seven minutes and then he got shot <laughs> because Peter Parker defiantly did not stop a guy who was running away with a bag of money and a gun. And this movie, you've had three, this this iteration, you've had three movies where you had to like Marissa Tomei and see mm-hmm. her interact with Tony Stark and, and Happy. He, she's dating Happy and stuff. So that's not fair. Obviously, it's Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I think sure. it's more impactful. It's a little, it, there's a little more tragedy in the Sam Raimi one because it is straight up Peter Parker's fault. It's directly his fault, yeah. You're right. Whereas in this movie, No Way From Home, Aunt May is kind of the catalyst for keeping the supervillains around mm-hmm. and yeah. is kind of what leads to her own demise. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think well, we all three obviously love this movie and love this character and these characters, but I don't think this movie is perfect. I walked out of the movie saying that's the perfect movie and (laughs) having time to kind of digest it. I no longer think it's a perfect movie. I do think it has some cons. And I think Drew Allen, starting with your point, really good point that the, the uncle Ben, you know, dying in Sam Raimi Spider-Man was absolutely Tobey Maguire's fault. Uh, or at least he feels like it in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in this movie, it is pretty much directly related to Marissa Tomei's Aunt May talking Peter into not sending them back home and mm-hmm. to trying to fix them, which is not his problem. And, and for and, trying to fight Green Goblin with like a pipe of some yeah, kind. He told her run. run. To be fair, like everything yeah. that happened after that is totally her fault because he was like, get out of here. Yeah. But like he Green Goblin also had him in like a choke hold to like break his neck or something oh, yeah, he was gonna and die she, and she came over and stabbed him so i think that was actually a good way of getting them out of me being able to be like that was stupid because like yeah. actually i think green goblin he we just saw him throw peter through like three floors of mm-hmm. apartment condos uh in what i assume is new york so i would imagine i know they don't have like the greatest condos in the world but i would imagine that takes a lot of force he probably still had enough in his 65 year old body to snap Peter's neck. Um, but, and, but that, that is a big issue with this film and not just this film, but I would suggest to you guys, this whole trilogy is, it just keeps like not being 
anything about Spider-Man or like something that's like his problem. Like the first movie is standing on the shoulders of Civil War and it's him cleaning up Tony Stark's mess because Vulture found the thing and he's mm-hmm. mad at whatever. The second movie is standing on the shoulders of Avengers Endgame and it's him cleaning up the mess of Tony leaving his glasses to a 15-year-old kid on a bus. Uh, this movie gives Tom Holland the responsibility of not only cleaning up after Aunt May's mess, which is you should keep all of these guys here and fix them, which ends up killing her, but also it it ends up, they, they use this movie to fix the fact that Andrew Garfield didn't save Emma Stone when she mm-hmm. was falling down the clock tower and he got that redemptive arc because of that. It fixed the fact that Toby Maguire didn't get a chance to save Green Goblin, instead let him die, albeit by doing a backflip out of the way of a, <laughs> of a glider. But the the impact of him stopping that same glider from killing mm. Green Goblin was really cool. But that is, I think, a big problem with this trilogy, that they backed themselves into that corner when they threw Spider-Man into this world that was already so dense and so well-known. You You couldn't just have your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because... Oh, we introduced him next movie. He's in space and he's fighting a big purple alien that kills half the planet. And it's like, okay, like how are you going to go back to webbing up people who are robbing a bank after that? And and Andrew Garfield said, they're going, I'm so lame compared to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I am stuck on you fought an alien in space. Space. (laughs) But I I do think that's a big problem with this movie it's still not really a Spider-Man movie. It's just another movie that Spider-Man happens to be in, but there happens to be three of them, and that makes it okay. <laughs> that makes th- it cooler. I think we call that a Spider-Man adjacent movie. <laughs> oh uh, my gosh. <laughs> um, no, I agree. And and to that point, I the first time I watched this movie, I had a, a problem with the pacing because I didn't quite know where in like the... Um, what do you call the the hero's journey we mm-hmm. were? Like I was confused because you introduce so many villains and then you try to fix them, and then like the third act is kind of a sprint to just defeat them. Um, and it was like there that whole I think because there were five of them that I was yeah. expecting a lot more time with them, and it was kind of like no, they're here, and then Tom Holland defeats them or traps them or whatever, and then he tries to cure them. And then they all just decide to fight him because they're like, I don't want to be cured. Well, I will say that movie does do a good job of giving them all different perspectives and different reasons and different um, reactions to wanting to or not wanting to be fixed. But I, I was, it was difficult for me to keep track of where in the movie we were as going, as we were going along. But after I'd watched the movie the first time through and went back a second time, I thought the pacing was really good. So I don't know if that's a con necessarily or just, I mean, when you make a movie about nine main characters, you're going to have difficulty putting that into a, you know, a movie about one superhero. Uh, I will say you guys had some more deeply rooted cons than I did. Okay. Um, I have some other ones if you'd like me to go on, but I feel like you're about to hit me with a good one. Well, I was going to say my biggest con of the movie was that this is the first time you could really, really tell Ned is bald in real life. (laughs) (laughs) And that is bad hair. It's bad hair. He looks really old. He looks really old and really bald. And it's like, ah, man, he, his character's great. I thought he was really funny. Yeah. Uh, 
his and the way his character was written for timing was really funny. Uh, but man, he is the and this is always my big knock on the first Spider-Man was like, hey, all these people look like they're 45 and you're trying to tell me they're in high school. <laughs> and I love that about the, you know, this iteration of Spider-Man. Everybody looks like they should be in high school. And then this is the first time I've been like, yeah, you're an old bald man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking That's of great. Ned and cons, they did have a big old thank you for smokingism in this movie. I don't know if yep. you caught it. But it was when Ned walks into the sorcerer's, uh, the sanctorum. Sanctum sanctorum. Thank you very much. And he's like, my grandma says we have like wizard mm-hmm. blood or something. And he then, says we're magic. Yeah, okay. That actually, that that pans a lot better. Yeah. That, that reads better than what I said. Uh, and then 45 minutes later in the movie, when we desperately need someone to order, uh, to open a portal to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Ned's open up a, a wizard portal thing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. So y'all are either going to have to unpack this a whole lot in a future movie, or that was a big old thank you for smoking. It. <laughs> yeah. Which at this point, I'm not going to doubt Marvel. I bet they've got some sort of plan for him. Yeah. My next, my next big con, and it's not really a big con so much as like, man, you're so close movie is like one of the notorious villains that Spider-Man goes off against is the sinister six am i wrong here <laughs> no, am i right. wrong he it's like and there a, was only thing. five there were yeah. five they gave yeah. us five villains just put, they couldn't break out the vulture yeah the vulture would have been fine introduce the rhino just have him running around the city never interacting yeah. with any spider-man that, but, that actually um brought something up real quick i noticed on my second viewing let's see if you guys saw uh at the end when dr strange like sees the purple like rippings of mm-hmm. the universe or whatever and is like trying to hold them together i saw in my second viewing that in one of the purple openings of like other people from other universes trying to come in mm-hmm. it looked like a dude holding a staff and it looked like someone with a scorpion tail and then someone with a big old rhinoceros horn yeah. which to me would be craven the hunter obviously the scorpion and the rhino after that yeah really craven the hunter is the only one of spider-man's villains who has like a not like on the nose name <laughs> um <laughs> But which that that intrigued me for a bunch of different reasons. One, because we had seen the rhino before. Two, the scorpion's really interesting. He was terrifying, and the yeah. TV show as a child, as a child that I watched. Yeah. And then Craven the Hunter has already been cast as Aaron Taylor Johnson, who has already mm. played Quicksilver <laughs> in this universe. Yeah. So that makes me feel better thinking that he'd be coming from a different universe. So that it's not like, oh, Quicksilver is back from the dead and he's now a hunter. Mm. But also makes me think, are they doing that for an Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man or someone else who's not Tom Holland Spider-Man? Because he's coming from a different universe. I don't know. I'd be interested to find out, though. And uh, I like that that's now a possibility that they could start Andrew Garfield's um, trilogy over or, you know, make make a Tobey Maguire movie when Spider-Man when he's in his 40s and his back is broken. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I love that Sony, I think, saw this as an opportunity to like back in their own Spider-Man franchise without oh, yeah. stepping on the MCU anymore. They're like, yeah. we've now established different universes. We can go do our own thing over here and you can keep Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man and then we can all make all the money. Which honestly, I'm so for. 
keep Morbius, keep Tom Hardy's Venom, keep everything the heck over there and let me have my MCU, which is makes sense and doesn't suck. You know I would be all for it. Woody Harrelson's car. I don't want Woody Harrelson <laughs> anywhere near my Captain Rogers. Um, but so I, I do think that that was, that was really interesting. And I, you always know Marvel's planning a decade ahead and they're holding Sony's sweet little hand and walking them through how to do this. Um, so I'm sure that this opened up so many cool things. Um, but an, another thing, when I walked out of the theater, I was like, you know, I, I had not had that feeling that I had in this movie since Avengers Endgame. And because you get to see everybody coming together and fighting this big battle. And then as a couple of days went by, I realized we've actually seen the trick Spider-Man No Way Home pulled off uh, fairly recently. I don't remember when uh, X-Men Days of Future Past came out, 2014 maybe, but they had current and old portrayals of the same character in the same movie and and they didn't interact with each other, but mm-hmm. actually they did for a scene, but in the same movie and in the same universe and they didn't do it as great. Obviously it's better than like X-Men Apocalypse, but still not great. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that dampened some of the like excitement I had or like joy that I had from it because I was like, man, nobody's ever done like two of the Mm. same character before. And then I realized like, no, like James McAvoy saw Patrick Stewart and they talked to each other and they figured out a way to, to fix the alien thing together. And I don't know if that makes it a worse movie. I don't think it does. Mm. It maybe does take a little bit of the magic out of it. And, And I think it kind of refocuses the fact that this movie didn't really do anything groundbreaking um, it brought three guys who played the same character into the same universe. That was really cool. But we had kind of already seen that with X-Men Days of Future Past. And it had a group, big group fight with a bunch of people that you loved from spanning a decades all together to fight these villains, which we'd already had the Avengers Endgame. And for some reason, I'm letting that tarnish it a little bit in my mind. What do you, but what do you guys think? Is that in my way off base there? No, I think there are other movies that have done that too. Like uh, the Star Trek franchise had Spock come back and yeah. interact with mm-hmm. Spock. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think it tarnishes at all unless the only thing is that if you were thinking that this was the first time anybody's ever done this, then the fact that somebody else has done that would bring that down. But I think this movie, like you've said, did it better than they mm-hmm. had. I think they've done it better than anybody else in bringing different characters from different franchise or different, same franchise, but different brands of the same character together and not letting the producers or uh, whatever you want to call them step on each other's toes and be like, no, my Spider-Man needs this amount of time. My Spider-Man is going to, if their Spider-Man gets this, then my Spider-Man gets that. It's like they made a beautiful movie of these three separate iterations of the same character coming together and interacting perfectly. And like Crawford said earlier in the podcast, these are not cameos. They are straight on characters in the story influencing a lot and showing up heavily in the third act and their interactions are wonderful and beautiful and i think it's perfect for the spider-man um character uh which is why you see a bunch of into the spider-verse or a bunch of uh iterations of spider-man like you have spider-man 2099 spider noir you have you have a bunch of these different concepts for spider-man um and i think for whatever reason his character is just really fun to see it done and you can do it so cool like they did in this movie crawford do you have any final thoughts about spider-man no way home 
I, I will say one of the things that I loved and appreciated throughout this movie and I've appreciated as, as I've seen it multiple times and thought about it throughout is the humor in this movie is it's obviously right there, but a lot of it is done in the way of Spider-Man in the comics, quick one-liners mm-hmm. uh, that they don't rest on for a while. They just, they let you see something funny or hear something funny and then they move immediately on to uh, the next yeah. thing. And I really appreciate that style of humor. Like just a couple examples off the top of my head, like Spider or Peter Parker and MJ get back into his room as Happy and Aunt May mm-hmm. are like, wait, what, what was that sound? And they think they're having sex. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, it's not like that. Oh, hi, MJ. It's so nice to meet you. And she's like fixing her hair. Yeah. It, it, just like that moment was really funny. Um, also, I really loved MJ and Happy's or sorry Aunt May and Happy's relationship and how they're breaking up and she says it's about boundaries and then an <laughs> hour later breaks into his apartment with five supervillains and he says is Happy going to be okay with this and she, she's like yeah yeah he'll he'll be fine mm-hmm. uh, and it's like you see the boundaries you're crossing here right um, little things like that um also i love that they took the spider-man meme of them like pointing at each other and was able to do that in a uh i don't know visual way and verbal way as he goes peter and they're like what oh yeah sorry we're all he's like peter parker he's like still not helpful he's like spider-man he's like we're all what like what do you want (laughs) they're all just like like, each other it didn't feel like super fan service either like it it wasn't like they did the exact pose yeah, uh, correct. From the yeah. meme, it was. It kind of felt like it would naturally happen that way. Yeah. There, there was one other. And you mentioned "thank you for smokingism" uh, that I saw in this, and it's the mirror dimension that's come up in a couple of movies now, and it's always one of those like, "Ooh, big Doctor Strange! It's this magical thing!" Like, "Ooh, nobody can figure it out," and Peter Parker apparently is the only person who can do math. Yeah, inside. <laughs> And, and like, I don't want to say like, I'm not a math genius. I would not have been able to identify an Archimedes spiral, but like he immediately was like, Oh, I figured magic out. And then he was like, divide by pie. And then he like, like, (laughs) how did you divide by pie in your head? I do love one of my favorite quotes of the entire movie is him going, wait, is this just geometry? You could do geometry. You're great at geometry. (laughs) I do think he was at his best. Tom Holland was at his best in this movie. Yeah. I, I really, I, I've got a lot of respect for him. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw, oh man, that movie he did with Anthony and Joe Russo, where he Cherry. was the guy. Cherry. Yes. That movie. And then um, the devil all the, the time, devil all the time, those two movies that came out in between kind of his MCU stuff. Uh, and, and then this movie, uh, really made me kind of grow respect for Tom Holland. And I really saw it in this movie. And I don't know if I just had kind of been glossing over it beforehand, but like he, I thought he did a really phenomenal job. I really, really liked him. I, I was going to say one other thing, you know, you talked about how great Tom Holland was and I absolutely agree, but there were so many great actors in this movie. Was there one that you guys thought stole the show? Uh, or at least in their own you know, little bit when they were on camera? I think I thought Jamie Foxx, every line he had was yeah. so funny, especially at the end. He was talking to Andrew Garfield. He's like, you're just a kid from Queens. 
I just wish you were black. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was cracking up and also a Miles Morales hopeful reference yeah. in the future. Um, but then also I thought Benedict Cumberbatch for as big of an actor as he is and for as much screen time as he deserves, he had very little screen time. And I just thought he crushed every scene he was in. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. I thought Andrew Garfield was yeah. a, a standout mm-hmm. for me. I, I think, like we mentioned, Toby Maguire may not be the best actor. And I think the movie does a good job of writing his character to be a kind of uh, an older Spider-Man character, a wiser character, a little bit more milder um, character. Like you said, like I think he has the funniest line. But Andrew Garfield, every single time he comes on, he is really truly acting and i and my wife made a comment that i think that he's become a better actor since he was spider-man the first time around with like you know tick tick boom just came out and it shows off a lot of his acting and singing chops uh but every single line he has i think is hilarious and well acted and well done and it's like big and funny but not like hammy if that makes sense I think yeah. he's he's one of the, his version of Spider-Man is the version I think of like the his the comedy he brings um I think it's more similar to the cartoons I grew up with and I think he did a phenomenal job in this movie. Uh I I I think you're both absolutely correct. Uh I thought Jamie Foxx's every time that he had a line I was like, "Well, you won the scene. Good for <laughs> yes. you." Yes. Yeah. Um but the the other big ones for me were I thought Happy and Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, like every time that they were on camera and they didn't have a lot of lines, but they they did fantastic and brought a lot of depth to their characters. Like I was happy to see that Happy uh, had a little bit of growth outside of just, oh, I'm Tony Stark's best friend and I'm trying to a, figure it out. I brought him a cheeseburger once. Yeah. <laughs> But the main one for me was Tobey Maguire uh, because huh. I did not, I have never looked well upon the original Spider-Man movies and gone. Those were great acting movies. Okay. I thought they were really good for their time and were really fun. And I enjoyed them when they came out, but I've never once seen them and been like, man, those are good actors. I thought that this movie gave him so much character arc and development or like in redemption that I needed as a fan. And I thought he stole the show when he was on camera and I loved everything that they did with him. Yeah. If, if nothing else, this movie does an incredible job of wrapping up a Spider-Man franchise of eight movies, um, which should have been nine probably uh, that each character has their faults and they each kind of get a chance to redeem those faults. It gives you kind of everything you want out of a Spider-Man flick where you see uh, five really great villains go up against three of your favorite Spider-Man. And then also what it really does well at the end and what I'm most hopeful for is it gives you the chance to have the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man at the end. When he goes to Doctor Strange and he says, Everybody who knows me, let them forget about me. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see him on the rooftop running in that super comic accurate suit. Like that's the most comic accurate suit we've ever seen. Yeah. And, and he's, he's going to, he just looked at his police scanner and he's going to go, you know, do whatever. 
probably stop a regular person from robbing a regular bank, like with no <laughs> tech, like with no Stark tech, with no like world ending bomb thing. And that made me really, really, really excited that they finally got to this point where our MCU Spider-Man can be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man who, if they need him to go, you know, do some of the Avengers, great. He can do it. But like, that's not his, his thing. It, it also kind of makes me sad. It took three movies and this much star power and this much momentum and this much blockbuster to get to that point. But I get why it had to happen because of the situation he was thrown into. That's why I'm really, really excited to not only for Tom Holland's Spider-Man to finally hopefully be the Spider-Man from the comic books to be the guy who just wants to go to college and get a job, but also help people. But also I'm hoping it opens the door for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to come back and to do another few movies in his own universe and an old Tobey Maguire movie. And I hope this opens up the door for Miles Morales where he doesn't have to be like the guy Peter Parker is bringing along, Tom Holland's bringing along, you know, to fights with him or whatever. He gets to be like his own, the Spider-Man of his universe. Yeah. And I, I'm, that's what I'm most excited about is to see how they can spin this uh, in a web of Spider-Man that has an unlimited future for, for so much fun. Unlimited fun is what I think they did with this movie. And for that alone, like you got to say like tip of the hat to this movie because it, it did a whole lot for the characters now. And I think the characters going on forward. It's almost like they did the reverse Spider-Man arc instead of starting Absolutely. with, with uncle Ben yes. death and figuring out how to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then taking on bigger and bigger villains and becoming, you know, this huge success thing. They did it in reverse. That's a where great he point. Starts as this giant success Yep. starts as this huge intro into the Marvel universe and the Avengers, and then is trying to figure out how to be a regular kid and ultimately ends on the decline with Aunt May dying. I'm just going to be regular Spider-Man now. Dude, and that's a great point. I'm really proud it, of you. It's beautiful. The bell I curve of Spider-Man. I might have teed it up for you, but I think you knocked it out of the park. I really do. Uh, Drew Allen, do you have any final thoughts for Spider-Man? Two web shooters way up, um, non-bio-organic. I want them to be uh, built, but I want them to the sky. And I'd say I'm probably more of an Empire State Building Spider-Man over a Chrysler <laughs> building. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie's great. Also, can we talk about how J.K. Simmons is playing J. Jonah Jameson in a second universe, and I care about this one way more? <laughs> like, they did a really good job of actually showing a little bit of his personality and like his history. And I like this J Jonah Jameson matters way more to me than the first one did. And it's the I'm same just, guy. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Elizabeth Banks to show up in this, in this MCU reality, because I'm a big fan of hers. And if you're a big fan of this podcast or Elizabeth Banks or a Spider-Man, uh, feel free to reach out to us at NTPYD podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at NTPYD Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for talking Spider-Man No Way Home. I had a blast. I cannot wait to get back next week and talk to you further. Thanks for listening. This is not the podcast you deserve.